Hey, chiropractors and marketers. We are ready for another modern chiropractic marketing show with Dr. Kevin Christie, where we discuss the latest in marketing strategies, content marketing, direct response marketing, and business development with some of the leading experts in the industry. Hey, docs. Welcome to another episode of the Modern Chiropractic Marketing Show. This is your host, Dr. Kevin Christie, and today I am interviewing Dr. David Perna. He is based in Manhattan with a growing business, and he's actually going to be opening a practice in New Jersey, which is exciting. We uh, break this down a little bit with the new one coming out that he's building. It's quite a, a facility, gym, medical, the whole nine yards. I met David at the Mastermind in 2015. We really got to know each other. He's doing a lot of great things. He's got a very well-built-out, multidisciplinary practice that's also kind of a sports-based practice. He works a lot with athletes, but is also running a very big and successful practice, doing a lot in the uh, marketing side of things and business. He wears a lot of hats, and so I, I think he's a perfect example of someone doing it uh, the right way. We build this business because it is a business to help people. A lot of times we think we can just open up a practice and it'll run itself and we don't have to understand business and marketing. We just need to be a good doctor and everything will be fine. I, I disagree with that. I think you should be a great doctor. That should be first, but there's no reason why you can't also learn how to run a successful practice and understand basic marketing and things like that. And David's a perfect example of being able to put it all together and be very successful and have a growth mindset in a large city. And so he's been doing that. I've been doing it for a little while. We have a great conversation, talk a lot about the ins and outs of, of his practice and what he's doing and the things he's trying to do uh, in the future to grow. So I think you'll enjoy this. We've got a couple other really exciting interviews coming up on uh, a little bit of the kind of finances of things. We're going to be a little twist in the next few weeks. We're going to have a student loan expert, and we're also going to have a practice sales and valuation expert on. So look out for those, and uh, we'll try to keep on bringing you value information that's not only marketing, but also business and personal development. All right. Welcome, Dr. David Perna, to the show. I really appreciate your time. You and I have a few years of history working on probably three or four years now. It's good to have you on the show. One of the things that I'm trying to do is start to dive into people that are knee-deep into uh, practice that are doing things the right way and also having a nice level of success in this practice and excited about growing. So before we dive into that, tell us a little bit about yourself, both personally and professionally. Well, thanks for having me on. It's good to see you again. I am a chiropractor in a multidiscipline practice in uh, Midtown Manhattan, New York City. I do a lot of sports on the side, and we have two children with my wife, Amy, a five-year-old and a two-year-old. Nice. That'll keep you busy. Yeah, definitely <laughs> does. So, you know, we first, you know, originally met in 2015 out in the San Francisco area at a mastermind group that I think there was probably 20 of us or so, and it was a, a really good group. I think we learned a lot, and a lot of us have grown from there. What were some of the takeaways you had from that group? Uh, yeah, that group was amazing. If you look back at who was part of it, you were in it. Blake Coxine was in it. There were a couple other chiropractors. If you follow who does what on social media, like David Warwick mm-hmm. and a few others, it's just amazing how everybody took off from there. I think the big takeaway on that was creating content, how to create mm-hmm. good content that people will be engaged and uh, interested in seeing. 
rather than just bland advertising or, you know, stock photos on Facebook and things like that, that people just pass right by. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think it was in 2013 when I started diving into marketing to grow my practice. And then that kind of segued into that mastermind group around marketing. And it really sped it up even more for me in my practice. And then obviously doing it to try to help out some chiropractors from there. Let's take it a little bit further back. Let's hear what your career path has been since you did graduate from chiropractic school and how you got to where you're at now. Sure. I graduated from life and I stayed down there for about a year and a half. I actually started interviewing even before I graduated to try to find a job. I've always worked my whole life. It was foreign to me to graduate and then look for a job with Mm -hmm. some time off. So I worked in a small practice in Smyrna, Georgia. The doctor there opened another office, if you're familiar with the Atlanta metro area, in Decula. It was quite far away. So he wanted somebody to kind of take over his one office while he started, opened up another office closer to where he moved to. He basically trained me for about a week and then, you know, said, good luck to you about it. That was an interesting practice. It was slow enough where I could research, you know, evidence-based care for whatever walked in the door, make decisions on how to take care of people. But it was also small enough too, where I learned the ins and outs of how to run a practice, every aspect of it, Mm -hmm. which was good. After that, I moved back home to New Jersey, where I answered an ad for a multidiscipline practice opening up in New York City. Walked in the first day, there was a milk carton on the ground and a telephone. And the guy, I, it was crazy. And the guy <laughs> I was learning from was like, we will be seeing 100 patients in here by next week. And I, I thought it was crazy, but we were up and running and seeing 100 patients in under a week, which was pretty amazing. At that time, it was mostly a telemarketing campaign. Yeah. That stuff is long gone, but it was interesting. <laughs> That's one way of growing it. Yeah. When did you end up in Manhattan? Well, that office was in Manhattan. Okay. It was actually a floor above. The doctor, the MD there, moved on and retired. And around the same time, I was getting the itch to just do it on my own. And so what ended up happening is I ended up starting another practice nearby and just taking off from there. And we expanded once and we're doing fairly well now. We have two other chiros and myself in the office, four mm-hmm. physical therapists and acupuncturists, and another medical doctor who I met way back when that uh, wanted to start an office like this in New York City. Yeah, you guys have a multidisciplinary practice, like you said before, sports-based as well. In the big city, doesn't get bigger and you're able to grow. You know, what's been some of the keys to that success? Like if you could kind of narrow it down to a few different things that really helped you grow the practice that you wanted to, and then obviously do it in a way that's been successful for you. I think proper communication to your patients was instrumental in uh, our success right away, especially in the multidiscipline arena. Mm-hmm. When you have multiple people talking to a patient in one day, you all better have the same thoughts on how to treat, even down to, you know, should I use heat or ice on this? And oftentimes, if you don't have the same voice and the same thoughts on on how to take care of a person, then all of a sudden they start questioning, am I doing the right thing? And, and then people end up disappearing from your care. I think that, and honestly, it's a process. When you first start, you have to work hard. And a lot of people have this vision that, you know, opening even any business, you know, oh, my own boss is great. I could dictate my own hours. Yeah. You're not your own <laughs> boss. You have 150, whatever patients you see in a week, bosses now, and your hours are not your own at all anymore. So you have to accept that kind of stuff to succeed. Yeah. I mean, you've worked hard. You put a lot of time and effort into it. I know you and I will 
kind of message back and forth sometimes when we see things and people expecting it to be easy or be handed things, (laughs) but it's definitely a lot of work. But when you get it to a certain point, it becomes, you know, hopefully a self-managing type of practice to where you go and you enjoy it. And obviously you're seeing the fruits of your labor. Help us visualize your practice a little bit. You, You kind of dove into, you know, you have other chiros and PTs, but help us visualize what you have going on because it's pretty impressive. And I want our audience to know where they can get to no matter where they're at. And the practice of being a chiropractor is an exciting time. And I want you to help us visualize what you've got going on. Sure. We're in midtown Manhattan. So space is a commodity. The price point here per square foot is astronomical. And oftentimes I see on our various Facebook groups that we're in, how much people pay per rent. And I think a lot of times I actually pay for a parking space more than some people pay for rent for the entire facility they're in for a month. <laughs> it's like watching that show where people are trying to buy houses out in you know, different places versus where they live. Yes. Waco, Texas, you know, 4,000 square foot house for $205,000. And <laughs> yeah, you know, like, I don't think it's worth dollar over, you know, 180. And you're like, wow, I have to die for that house. Forget it. <laughs> we have seven rooms around the periphery of the office. And mm-hmm. the challenge was we wanted some sort of exercise rehab. It's not a large space, but we yeah. split the center with the administrative staff on one side and the gym space on another side. I'll say it's a less than ideal layout for a couple of reasons. One, we did expand into the space and you got to take what you can get. We are boxed in on one side. We don't have a choice. There's a fire stairwell and, and other things on one side. So the layout originally was okay. And then now with the expansion, a little bit less than ideal, but We made the best of what we can. Space is certainly a challenge here. I call patient Tetris. You know, each room has different things in it. And, you know, maybe one person has to do traction. Maybe another person has to use a flexion distraction table. Maybe we need a larger table for a patient who is a little little bit larger. And oftentimes we have to just figure out how to make people fit in in the rooms and make it work out. Mm -hmm. So that is quite a challenge. And room is tight. When you have this many staff, and you have that many patients coming in the door, I mean, even in the winter, it becomes an issue of how we're going to fit all our winter jackets in the space uh, and put them somewhere while we're in patients. I don't have that problem so. down here, Dave. I don't have that jacket problem. <laughs> <laughs> I'm jealous of that. I'm definitely jealous of that. <laughs> We've definitely had our challenges with the, the amount of space. The good news is if you're in the city like we are, people kind of accept that space is tighter, even in a gym or rehab setting than other places. I, I remember the first time I tried to do deadlifts in a gym in New York City versus uh, the gym I was at in Georgia. And I was freaking out. Somebody was like two feet behind me. But once you get used to being in this environment, your personal space, your radius gets closed off a little bit. Yeah, I think that's true. Obviously, people in Manhattan know that. You know, I always tell the joke where I stayed at a, it was a friend of a friend's parents had a lot of money and they had a $6 million apartment in the city. And I'm expecting this lavish, (laughs) like 6,000 square foot penthouse. It was on Central Park South. And we showed up there and I'm like, it was like 700 square feet, you know, and it was five, $6 million apartments. (laughs) People are used to smaller quarters for sure. So yeah, that's a prime location too. It is obviously. Yeah. But okay. And then let's backtrack a little bit. You started the practice. You were probably the only chiropractor. Did you add physical therapist next or did you add another chiropractor next? When I originally opened, I had myself and another physical therapist and the medical doctor starting. Mm-hmm. 
I actually added more physical therapists first because in our office, they usually do more of the hands-on therapies and I'll oversee and manage the cases with, you know, just discuss the case with the medical doctor, present the cases to medical doctors for the decisions and all that stuff. So in my time was more communicating with the patients. And as we got busier and, and the time crunch got harder, I realized the benefits of having at least one other chiropractor here. Mm-hmm. And for quite some time, it was three or four physical therapists and myself. And then we added the other chiropractor. And then we eventually moved to four physical therapists. And most recently, I switched. I went from a PT aide who was just legally can't do anything except they were helping move people around and get rooms ready. We removed that staff member from the equation and added another chiropractor. So now you have another person who helped move people around, but they're licensed to actually work with patients. Yeah. So that helped out tremendously. It was almost a slap on the forehead. You know, what was I, well, why didn't I do this sooner? It was a great move. It's definitely helping me out big time, freeing myself up to do other things. Perfect. And now are you guys kind of insurance-based practice mostly? Yeah. Yes. In our office, I'd say we're about 90% insurance-based. You know, I often joke, you know, people, you'll present the problem to the patient, explain how you can help them. And, you know, the first question, it seems like at everybody's mouth is, yeah, but will my insurance cover that? So we have stayed within the insurance space. The location we are at, most people choose these jobs knowing they're going to be able to offer good healthcare benefits and good retirement packages. And so the patients come in assuming they have good benefits and expect to utilize those benefits. Perfect. And so you're seeing patients in pain, you're seeing athletes, you're seeing post-surgical, I'm assuming, having the physical therapy there. So you really have a pretty wide array of patients that you can target now that you have MD, DC, and PT. And that's been flowing pretty well for you guys? Uh, Yes, it has. The unique thing about being in Midtown Manhattan is there's actually not a lot of people live here. It's more business oriented. So most of our post-surgical rehab is someone who returns after three or four weeks, you know, and, and having multiple avenues of care available to patients, it definitely invites more people to your office. If you're just a chiropractor, you're just going to see people who are into working with a chiropractor. There's many patients here who never even explored the option of being a chiropractor until they walked in our office and they were actually just seeking a physical therapist. And the fact that we have an MD here on staff, I think it allows people to trust the process more, you know, know that there is a, a net there with a person with a lot of experience, particularly the medical doctor we have has a tremendous amount of experience. So when it comes to questioning, am I doing the right thing? They know there's someone here with another opinion as well. Yeah, it makes sense. And then is the MD there part-time, full-time? He actually is a chief hospitalist in a hospital and nice. he's here three days a week. I don't know when he sleeps, to be honest with you, but <laughs> he's here. He's here Mondays, Tuesdays, and Thursdays, right? Now. Perfect. That works out. I think that's one thing that if a chiropractor is out there interested in having MD on board, it's not like it has to be a full-time type of situation. That's important to understand that any service you offer doesn't have to be necessarily full-time. Perfect. And then insurance reimbursement for chiropractic and chiropractors in New York. How is that these days? It's interesting. We're recently, I've seen a swing towards Mm -hmm. the positive. I feel initially in the last few years with some of the laws changing, we were starting to see some of these plans with ridiculously high deductibles and limited care. And I think in our area, particularly, I guess people were going back to HR complaining about the plans they were had choices for 
And fortunately for us, I guess the HR people have listened and we're starting to see better plans lately than like the last couple of years. The scope of practice in New York is an interesting one for a chiropractor, especially a sports chiropractor. You have to relate any extremity injuries to the spine. So <laughs> you can't just see a person exclusively, say, for an ankle injury. And this is where we utilize our other services to help yeah. out a person with that type of problem. So if someone comes in with a sprained ankle, you have to make sure it came from C1. Yes, exactly. Okay. Actually, at that point, well, my job is to just introduce myself, get a history, talk to the medical doctor, let him see the patient, tell the physical therapist what's coming up that they're about to see. And then I just go in there at the end and wrap things up with the patient and just make sure everything went according to what they expected. And that's all I do for that person. That's perfect. You know, one of the things when we first met in 2015 that I appreciated was your your mindset on building a practice. You've never limited yourself within the box or the scope of being a chiropractor and saying, this is like, all I can do is have a practice with chiropractors in it. And you've always thought outside the box, not that you invented multidisciplinary practice, but you've obviously grown a very big and successful practice where you're the owner of it as a chiropractor. And I'm sure you have some chiropractors come and shadow you and things like that. I know some come and shadow me and you know I've got a pretty well-developed practice as well. And sometimes I think younger chiropractor can look at this a couple different ways. One is no way that I can do it type of thing. Like it's just way too much. Or they may go to the other way and say they deserve that and they want to make sure they have that right away. And they may jump in over their head too soon. Speak to the person like this didn't happen overnight for you. And it was a stepwise approach. So let's talk to that person that wants to have this type of setup and knows they can do it and has the mindset for it. But like, talk to them a little bit about wrapping their mind around this and, and making this happen at whatever point they can. I know recently I've seen a trend of a lot of recent graduates assuming as soon as they get out, they can start their own business right away. And I don't know necessarily if that's always the best idea, because if you work under the right person, the right group, you can learn to be a better doctor at that point. And hopefully while you're becoming a better doctor, you can absorb the business skills necessary to do this. I literally had two buses pull up to my office once with chiropractors from a seminar to see how we do things. They came in, I talked to him and they, you know, they all left. And the other chiropractor at the time, he went up to me and he goes, I can't believe you just like basically gave them like, you know, the secret sauce, like the recipe on how to do this. And I said, 95% of those people will never feel comfortable doing this. And I think the best way you can feel comfortable becoming part of a multidiscipline practice is actually working in one. And that doesn't necessarily mean running one right away. Getting involved in one somehow, whether it's just shared space and a multidiscipline practice where you each just pay rent in your own room, or you just work under other people and learn the ins and outs because it's not easy. There's a lot of things you have to understand to be able to run a proper multidiscipline practice. Yeah. And there's a lot of administration, a lot of, like you said, a lot of communication that has to go on. There's just a lot of facets to it. And it's just like anything else, you know, if you've been practicing for five years now, you're so much further ahead than you were seven years ago in your life. It doesn't happen overnight, but you get more and more comfortable as you push that envelope and be able to do that. So that's good advice. Good advice. Let's segue a little bit. Tell us about this new space. 
I've seen some pictures. It looks amazing. What's the status on that right now? We plan on opening February 1st, uh, mm-hmm. 2019. It's been going on for quite some time. I believe I originally signed the lease about two years ago. There's a new designation in New Jersey that you can acquire for the space that allows us to offer much more services than I currently could. Mm-hmm. So we kind of backtrack to be able to have the proper layout to do so. I'm excited for it. It is going to be about 4,500 square feet on the first floor. Every time I looked at space, I looked at ceiling height. And the first thing I asked the landlord is, if I put additional square footage into this space, am I going to have to pay additional rent? And I was very clear to my (laughs) attorney when we made the lease to make sure there is nothing in there that gives him a right to charge me additional rent. He swore up and down it wouldn't be an issue. And then all of a sudden he saw how big the mezzanine we were going to put in was, Mm -hmm. and suddenly they're backtracking. So for everybody out there who is thinking about doing this, don't assume, make sure it's very clear. And just because it's verbally said, Mm -hmm. make sure it's in writing in the lease. So we're going to have two phases to this opening. Mm -hmm. The first floor being 4,500 square feet has a decent sized gym. We're going to be low-tech rehab base. I have a pretty big background in strength conditioning. Prior to going to chiropractic school, I was a personal trainer all throughout college. I managed a very large gym for a few years in New York City where I trained trainers on how to work with people. So we're going to go very low-tech. You can do a lot more with low-tech equipment than machines anyway. We're going to have a rig. We're going to have freeways. We're going to have kettlebells. We're going to have all that stuff in one area. The front portion is going to be seven rooms, uh, private rooms for for therapy. The back area is going to be mostly medical. It's going to have an exam room for the medical doctor, x-ray. It's going to have a room for surgical procedures. And I've actually, you and I talked about this a lot. There was a room we originally earmarked for uh, cryotherapy. Mm -hmm. I'm now backtracking. I'm not sure if I want to go that route, but we have the space. We're going to figure out what we're going to do with that extra space this time. Phase two includes finally installing the second half of an elevator Mm -hmm. to the mezzanine, and it's about 2,500 square feet. So it'll be all in about 7,000 square feet. The second floor is going to more than likely be a Pilates studio with its own standalone space. It's going to have its own bathroom, its own locker room, more than likely a room that's going to be designated for childcare. We're looking at adding that in about a year down the line. Mm -hmm. My thought is we're going to get what I know best going first, get that busy, and then market to our current patient base for you know the Pilates studio. In addition to that, once that gets going with those patients, getting on board with Pilates, then marketing the Pilates studio to the masses through just general uh, advertising. That's great. And then you know one of the things that I've, I've always appreciated about you too, and it's something that I try to get chiropractors to understand of all levels, is that sometimes there's this thought that if you're just a good doctor, then everything else will fall into place and you'll have everything you want in the practice of your dreams and all that. And they almost feel like there's a stigma against being good at business or being good at marketing or being good at practice growth. It's almost like it's mutually exclusive, which I completely disagree with because I know like at the foundation of what you are is a good doctor. And I know you're working with a lot of high level athletes Correct me if I'm wrong, you're doing some work with some Olympic stuff, right? Yes. You've been up to Colorado? I actually went to the U.S. Olympic training grounds in San Diego. San Diego, yep. And I've been to the one in upstate New York. Mm -hmm. So I've done volunteer rotations with them. It was an amazing experience. You've got this background of working with the highest of level people and giving them high level of care. But at the same time, 
you're able to manage a team and grow a business and, and have all that and, and obviously build out a second location that's going to be state of the art and, and being able to do that. And so I wanted to kind of wrap this up with that in mind is that you're an example of being able to have the foundation of a good doctor with good communication and then kind of build on some understanding of marketing and, and business and and having that growth mindset and putting it all together to essentially have the practice that many people would want to have. I know it's got headaches. Trust me. I, I feel you <laughs> on that. I, I, there's no doubt about it that with the growth is going to come the headaches. But I wanted to make the audience aware that you're doing a lot with the high level athletes and building out this type of facility is going to be even more so into that. So what advice do you have for young docs that really want to develop? We're going to step away a little bit from the multidisciplinary stuff, but that's obviously sure. sure but develop successfully kind of a sports-based practice. What would you say is some of the things for them to look out for? I thought about this. The first thing I, I will say is that you're not right off the bat going to be working with elite athletes. Because elite athletes, they talk to each other about who they're seeing. Mm-hmm. So that's hard to break into. But that's okay. The elite athlete is 0.01% of the population. You can't make a living only seeing 0.01% of the population. And trust me, when I say this, you will be just as satisfied and enjoy helping a mom with the hip injury or IT band syndrome go from a couch to 5K for the first time in her life as you are helping you know, an elite athlete drop his 40 time by 0.01. It's just as gratifying. We just had a patient climb Mount Everest. She's not an elite athlete, okay? And when I heard did she accomplish this? Mm-hmm. And she was coming back to see us. I was so happy for her. I was so proud of what she accomplished. And that's such an amazing thing that she's, you know, it's like a bucket list item yep. and not everybody can get that. So that's the first thing. Don't think you're going to graduate and immediately start working with some guy who is an NFL athlete. That's rare. The other things I would tell you is you have to get very good at it. a few soft tissue techniques whether it's ART, gross, in factor, you have to have a combination of tools under your belt to be able to work with athletes of any kind, mm-hmm. because a lot of the stuff you're going to be working with is going to be soft tissue injuries, muscle problems. And it's important for you to, even if you're in school now, just start taking courses in addition to school mm-hmm. to get familiar with those techniques. I would say if you're in a community, first of all, more than likely, you're going to treat athletes who do athletic events that you also are familiar with and do. Yeah. So if you like weightlifting, if you like running, join a local group that is that sport. Don't say, you know, I only run, but I want to work with boxers. You have nothing in common with a boxer. You'll have a lot more to talk about with other runners in a group and you'll understand that better. That said, become very good at biomechanics. Yeah. If you understand biomechanics and how the body works, how muscles work, you can then use that information to help pretty much any sport if you ask that athlete the right questions about the requirements of their sport. So as you get better and you're no longer just seeing, you know, your wheelhouse of athletes and you have to diversify to get your practice better, really work on understanding biomechanics. Mm -hmm. And then finally, I think having a background and an understanding of exercise prescription you know, if you have a runner who can't run, well, what other type of cardiovascular routine can you work around to keep them in shape so that 
they can run that 5K. They can run that marathon, even though they're not following the training package they were given by a running group. You know, if you have a patient with a shoulder injury, what exercises can they do at the gym that won't aggravate their shoulder? And when you have those educated conversations with that athlete, with that patient, they'll understand that you know your business. And then all of a sudden, they're going to tell their friends about you. And those are the best patients to get. Those are the easy patients to get. The friend of a friend who comes in and knows that you understand that sport or that injury well and that you can help take care of them. Perfect. That sums it up pretty good. I know one other thing that I've run into, and I've mentioned this before, it's like, you know, I've gotten lucky to work with the NFL stuff. But if I happen to practice in Iowa, NFL wouldn't have been on the table for me. I happen to just be in a in a hotbed of off-season NFL stuff in South Florida where a lot of these guys come down here and train. And so it was an opportunity in this location for me. Whereas maybe if you're somewhere else, you gotta, you're going to probably have to pair up with the regional aspect of where you're at, right? There's some chiropractors out, like say in the, you know, in Wyoming that are just killing it with rodeo and certain things yeah. like that. You're going to have to pair it up with where your geography is. You know, you being in a city, it's limitless to what type of athlete or person you could get you know, you, you get celebrities in your New York City. You're not going to get celebrities in Des Moines. So you got to understand that part of it too. So, but what you mentioned is huge. I think the biomechanics part and the soft tissue is a big aspect in it. Because a lot of these chiropractors are coming out with a, a repertoire of soft tissue, adjustment, exercise prescription, biomechanics, being able to do all that and communicate with the coach and the technique and person and all the different things and have a really good team around that. And so you're going to have to come out with that to really be thriving as kind of a, let's call it a sports-based type of practice. Yeah, I, I think the more, especially with sports, because you yeah. know, the more tools you have to work mm-hmm. with, the better chance you have of getting that person better and the better chance you have of them referring someone else to you. And you got to play nice with the other providers. You know, you can't be that kind of, I hate to say typical chiropractor, but historically we've been selfish and... If they're working with other types of providers, we tend to hoard and try to keep them to ourselves and override what maybe someone else, you know, is saying. And so you got to play nice and communicate with the other types of providers as well. Yeah, actually, but most of my lunch times are spent reaching out to other providers, reaching out to personal trainers, strength coaches, running coaches, speaking to them about the patients. And that doesn't hurt either because, you know, all of a sudden they are like, wow, this doctor really cares. Then they know you and they have a lot more influence on where people go than you. So yeah. it's good you could do that. And yeah, you got to put your ego aside. Yes. Absolutely. Cool. I appreciate that. I really thank you for your time today. A lot of good information. I know you're obviously pretty active in some of the Facebook groups and stuff. If someone wanted to reach out to you, is that Facebook pretty good? Yeah. Facebook, Dr. Dave Perna. I'm on Instagram at Dr. Dave Perna. Obviously, you can always reach out to me on Facebook or Instagram. I just mentioned aside, uh, you know, when we open February 1st, there's a really good chance for adding another chiropractor. So okay. if you're in the Northeast and you're interested in position, you definitely should try to reach out to me and uh, we could speak. Oh, that'd be great. Uh, yeah. So those are probably the easiest ways to get in touch with me at this time. And, and I invite anybody, if you're a student and you're, you know, you're in this Northeast area and you have a break and you want to come in and shadow us, I had many people over the years shadow me and I think it'll help you understand how this is done a little bit better before you try to go out and do it on your own. Absolutely. Thanks again for your time, Dave. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Modern Chiropractic Marketing Show with Dr. Kevin Christie. Tune in next week for another episode that will enhance your marketing, business, and practice growth. 
Also, don't forget to subscribe to Dr. Christie's Modern Desk Jockey podcast and share it with your desk-sitting patients. In the Modern Desk Jockey, Dr. Christie provides health and wellness best practices from some of the leading experts in the corporate wellness industry. Remember, chiropractic practice isn't easy, but it shouldn't be overwhelming. Keep leveling up.